I want to um, say it's good to be back. Um, we've had a little bit of a break as a family, and we love being home. But if you are a visitor as well, and this is your first time, it's good to be back with you because I believe at the start of a new year, we meet lots of new family. Our family grows every year. Tess and I, it's not just the six of us anymore. There's a whole lot of people we call family, and that includes you. And uh, if you're new to the North Coast area, let it be our privilege to serve you today. If you need a link church, it's our privilege. Our volunteers are here to serve you to help you connect to this church, to help you uh, see where this church is going, get involved with making a difference in the area. Even if it is just to tell you where a good coffee is on the North Coast, we'll do our best. Tap your neighbor and say, coffee matters. All right, I wanna do an exercise with you guys. If you can, just participate, it's gonna help me. I want everyone just to close their eyes and zone out for just a moment and follow my words. I'm gonna lead you through a little bit of an exercise. It's nothing freakish, just, just enjoy it but it's gonna help us all together, right? I want you to zone out. I want you to close your eyes, just zone out. Just start to, start to see space. All right, now, what I want you to do is I want you to focus on one sound. Zone in on that sound. Let it be the only thing you hear for just a moment. And as you do that, I want you to now allow a second sound into your focus. And so you have two sounds. Just let that happen for a moment. In this space, I want you to add a third sound, almost like there's a somewhat of an orchestra starting to come into your imagination. But that's all you hear, sound one, two, Three. Now I want you to sense the touch of your clothing on your skin. Stay with me. You're still hearing the sounds. I want you to feel where your clothing touches your skin. Notice the pressure points. If you're sitting down, I want you to put some pressure on your feet into the ground. And change pressure, put from left onto right, still hearing the sounds. Clothing, you can feel it on your skin, the tight moments. And your feet choosing different pressure points. Eyes closed. Now I want you to, in this space, as you are, just breathe big, deep breaths. And as you're breathing, keep the sounds there. Keep the sense of touch there. And be aware of the pressure on your feet. Now I want you to open your eyes slowly and look toward me. And I want you to, in this moment, imagine this is the first time you've ever seen this place. The lights around me, the sounds, almost like, like this is new. And if you followed me carefully through this process, some of you will feel right now like you're floating on a cloud, literally. It'll feel a sense of ease, you will feel like your lungs have excess capacity and 
you will be feeling, perhaps you can't word it like this, but expectant of this moment. This is a fun little exercise that I've learned, and it's called transitioning yourself or your brain from a place of stress to a place of strategy. It's moving you from a place of being aware of everything that holds you back into a place of being aware of everything that lies as potential. It's just a simple exercise, and it's just a small thing I've learned. You can do it every day if you want. It'll help your day, but it's like, it's like zoning you in on the moment. And I thought as I, as I close this series, small is the new big, on a simple idea, I wanted to just set you up for a win. I wanted to move you from what the weeks held. I wanted to move you from what you're already thinking about in April, in June, in December. I wanted to zone you in and be aware that this is a year of great opportunity. The stress leaves and the strategy. What I did was, there's a, there's a scientific name for this. I moved your brain from the kind of reptilian brain or lizard brain, the fight or flight brain as we call it. I moved it from a place of stress in that mode into what we call the prefrontal cortex, which actually shapes your life the way you want it to be. Now, I want to help us this whole year live in a space of being intentional about our lives without the stress of the world around us. And the reason why I did this exercise was partly to help you relax and enjoy the moments in church, which is always awesome, but also because I want to draw attention here. There is a great difference between what you just experienced today and what you will mark this year by at the end. In this moment, you started to see things, feel things, get excited about things. There was a calm, there was a rest, there was an expectation. But as the year goes, that will erode. And I want to tell you that there is a difference between what you saw in this moment and perhaps what you're believing for this year, the year of plenty, 2020, 2020, it's time to go. The words focus, the words breakthroughs, the words favor, I speak that all over your lives this year. But here's the thing, you're amening, agreeing, believing for these outcomes, but there's a chance, sadly a good chance, that these words won't mark our year, and it's because of one simple little word called habits. Tap your neighbor and say, let's talk about healthy habits. I want to wrap this series up talking about healthy habits. You see, the, the big idea of this series is that it's often the small things that no one sees that produce the big things that everyone wants. I've been watching it online. I've loved every moment of it. I thought Mark Slevin has set us up so well for this year. Looking at your one word that could shape everything in your world last year, think about what you're thinking about. So the exercise we just did was to start to think about what you're actually thinking about. Zone in, get some focus, move from a place of stress into a place of strategic focus. Think about where you want this year to go. Think about what you're thinking about. If you weren't here for week one or two, I encourage you, jump online, listen to the messages, and join the party. There's something exciting happening, not just in our church, but in our nation at the moment. As you will hear more clearly next weekend in Vision Sunday, I wanna tell you this is a statement that is gonna frame not just our church, but I believe it's gonna find itself in political, leadership, business, educational circles across this land. I believe a simple statement, amen. I got three people in the front row excited for a vision that'll shape our world. But I wanna tell you next, next week, don't miss Vision Sunday, because for lack of vision, the Bible says my people perish or cast off restraint. In other words, when no one knows where they're going, they end up nowhere. And so we put a vision before our church to say, this is where we're going this year. This is what it means to be a part of this story this year. This is what it means to be a part of our nation this year. And I know this statement is going to set us up for an incredible win. But in the context of this series, I want to talk about healthy habits because where we see ourselves going and whether we actually get there is defined by a simple little word called habits. Let's talk healthy habits. 
If I were to give you a big idea of today, Craig Rochelle says it so well. He says, healthy habits is the discipline of choosing between what we want now and what we want most. Let's backtrack a little bit. Week one, you got your word. They're up on a wall just outside our Wonderland area on the way to the bathrooms. You can check it out. Take a slow stroll. Week one, you got your word that will frame your world. One word, simple word could frame your world. Powerful. My word is opportunity. And I know for a fact that God is gonna give me opportunities, but I felt him say to me, if you see them, you must also seize them. Otherwise, they're just there. And so my word is opportunity, but it has an activation to it. I wanna, I wanna just tell you that there is an activation to the word God gave you. If it's focus, what does that look like? If it's discipline, what does that look like? If it's inspired, my daughter came to me this morning. I said, what's your word? She said, to stay inspired. I said, that's incredible. You're 11 years old. What does it look like? Because your word will only frame what your life is built around. You, you, you can have as many words as you want. You can tell yourself you're strong, but unless you train in the gym, you got no muscle like Slevy. I've been telling myself I want to look like him for five years, but I haven't been following his routine. And I'm telling you right now, I'm still five years off. You see, habits is powerful. Week two, we looked at thoughts. And so my word is opportunity. My thought is God gives great opportunity. Will I see them? So every day I'm going, God gives great opportunity. Can I see them? What's your word? What's your thought? But today he has the question, what's the habit? What's the habit? One habit that'll change your year this year. Small things that no one sees that make the big difference that everyone wants. Perhaps your, your word this year was prosperity. What's your habit? Where are you going to put the money? How are you going to sow it? Do you trust God in it? Let me say this one more time. Healthy habit is the discipline of choosing between what we want now and what we want most. Your word, no doubt, was looking to the most but you will be challenged every day by the now. Let me ask you a question. How many of you would call yourself disciplined people? Join me in raising your hands. All right, I got, I got all of 13 people in this room. The rest of you aren't sure you can put your hand up because you're sitting next to your spouse and they're gonna let you know it isn't like that when I got three lights that need to be changed and the door handle that's still broken from 2015. I'm not talking about DIY, that's from the devil. I'm talking about discipline. I'm with you, husbands. My daughter says to me, Dad, I get scared when you do DIY because you get angry. <laughs> I said, that's easy. Then I won't do it anymore. It's simple. You say you're not disciplined half the church, three quarters of the church, nine-tenths of the church. I would argue that you actually are. Just not about the stuff that you wish you were disciplined about. You're incredibly disciplined. I mean, most of you know when it's, when it's mealtime, you're going to find food. You open your fridge three times. If there's nothing there, you're in your car. You're off to the market. You're at Afros. You, you're finding food. It's called discipline. Tap your neighbor and say, you're disciplined. How many of you know that if you're a sporting junkie and there's a Springbok game or a premiership game or a, and there's other things to do in your life, how many of you know how quickly you switch those things off to switch that thing on? You're disciplined. I'm not sure it's about the right thing. You can decide, but I'm just telling you, you got far more discipline than you give yourself credit for. You're disciplined. I know you don't want to get to work, but you religiously get to work. That's a discipline. Tap yourself on the shoulder. Say, I'm doing good. I'm doing good. You're disciplined. 
Now, I'm not sure that you're getting the six-pack that you wanted or that your business is growing the way you wanted or that your spirituality is going where you dreamt it to go, but you have discipline. I'm just arguing, is it in the right place? You're doing what you want, but is it in the context of now or is it in the context of most? I, uh, I love it when people start to focus their year around healthy physical exercise and habits. It's the classic. It's awesome. When I was a kid, I used to even take the Sports Illustrated front middle spread, remember? Put him up on the wall. I remember back in the day, it was Roberto Baggio. I didn't even know what soccer was about. But I had him on my wall, and I was going to be as good as him, as ripped as him, as, you know. Now, you may not put pictures on your wall, but you know you want to go somewhere. And so you sign up at the gym because what I want most is to be physically healthy by the end of 2020. It's the year of plenty. 2020, it's time to go. I want to be physically healthy. And then you walk into Yoli's Bakery, and you're like, you came to buy some sourdough because it kind of fits the mold. But you get yourself a Nutella croissant if you want. A little, uh, I think they call them bee stings. Got a little custard on the inside over there. I'm into those cinnamon donuts, the little ones that sit in the big jar. They make like 4,000 a day. That tells you a story. I take at least half of those. That's what I want now. I, I know what I said on my card, and it's on the wall at church, and everyone's reading it and being inspired, but no one knows it's mine, so I'm going to eat the donut now. <laughs> you see, you're disciplined, but it's often around what you want now, not around what you want most. Now, I want to encourage you today, because Paul, who I would argue is one of the most disciplined, habitual, effective leaders, business owners, and preachers of all time, Paul, the Apostle Paul of the Bible, he had the same struggle. And so I want to bring you in on the story that you and I battle with Monday through to Sunday, if we're really honest. Romans 7, chapters, chapter 7, verse 17 to 25, and I'm reading from the message version. Paul says it like this, but I need something more. For if I know the law, but, can still, but still can't keep it, and if the power of sin within me keeps sabotaging my best intentions, I obviously need help. I realize I don't have what it takes. I can will it, but I can't do it. I decide to do good, fill in the blank, go to gym, put my money away, invest in helpful friendships, but I don't really do it. I decide not to do bad, stay away from the donuts, <laughs> but I do it anyway. My decisions such as they are don't result in actions. Something's gone wrong, listen, deep within me. And it gets better, it gets the better of me every time. Verse 21, it happens so regularly that it's almost predictable. The moment I decide to do good, sin is right there to trip me up. I truly delight in God's commands, but it's pretty obvious that not all of me joins in that delight. Part of me covertly rebels. And just when I least expected, those things take charge. I've tried everything and nothing helps. I'm at the end of my rope. Is there anyone who could do anything for me? Come on, Paul, we're with you. Tell us where this is going. Isn't this the real question he asks? The answer, Link Church, thank God, is that Jesus Christ can and does. Not you. Not the notice on your fridge that tells you your word was focused, you're gonna start doing these three things, and when you don't, don't worry, you're gonna 
You're going to get up and do it. No, you won't. You might once, you might twice, if you're really good 10 times. Maybe you'll see it to the end of this year. But by the way, your focus was never meant to be for one year. It was changed the course of your entire life. So it shouldn't end. It should go on. And problem is, it ends for us. And Paul says, thank God that in that moment when I can't do what I want, Jesus Christ can and does. Tap your name and say, it's all about him. He acted, I love this, to set things right in this life of contradictions where I want to serve God with all my heart and mind, but I'm pulled by the influence of sin to do something totally different. Let me just pray for us. God, I thank you that as we close this series, small as the new big, you said if we sow things small as a mustard seed, they turn into the biggest plants in any garden. Therefore, God, small things this year, I believe, will move the mountains we never dreamt of moving. Help us today as you set our focus on just one new thing this year, one new habit that you give us that'll change everything in our lives. In Jesus' name. I wanna speak a little bit about healthy habits. I got three simple thoughts around healthy habits so that by the end of today, we'll be able to address the question, what do I want most and what can I do about it now? Not what do I want now, what do I want most and what can I do about it now, simple little habits, and we're going to leave here stronger than when we came in. The first thought around habits is this idea of delightful distraction. Delightful because it kind of seems good at the time. Come on, if you know that when Paul's talking about this sin inside me, it, it calls me to do things. By the way, the devil's plan has been, is now, and always will be very simple. Distraction. The one thing I've learned reading the Bible story again and again, he doesn't hold the keys to destruction. God holds the keys to life and death, last time I checked. God turns the key. God allows in and outs. The devil has one strategy, distract them from the life they currently have. He can't destroy your life, but he can distract you from the life God has called you. It's been his plan since day one. In the Garden of Eden, what did he say? Did God really say you can't eat from this tree? Distraction. God gave them the tree of life. The devil distracted them to the tree of, good of knowledge of good and evil. He just distracted them. He just said, I want you to shift your focus from this tree, which is Jesus' plan and purpose for your life, to this tree, which is trying to make sense of everyone's lives. And he distracted them, and it cost them dearly. The devil's plan is the same, friends, for you and for me, and it's what's at play in Paul. He's trying to distract us, and he uses sin, which is our attempts to satisfy ourselves, to distract us from the very thing God has for us. I'm gonna set you up today so that we can finish today strong in the presence of God, knowing what he's called us to. The, the word for sin is an actually amazing word. It's hamashia, which means to miss the mark. I mean, for sure, you hear that word and it's like, ah, it's sort of my ears if I'm new to church or someone's told you about it before. You've been judged for what you've done before. By the way, there's no judgment in this house. Come as you are, we'll figure it out together. So sin is not an issue of judgment for me. That was judged by God in Jesus on the cross. Sin is an issue of distraction. It's calling me away from the very thing that I've been called to. It's everything inside of me knows God wants this, but I can't help but keep doing that. Paul's wrestling with this tension, and he arrives saying, but Jesus can in me. Delightful distraction. Distraction, if you're writing down notes, will derail your destiny. It's not going to be a big explosion. It's going to be a subtle distraction. It's often not going to be, for some it is, traumatic life circumstance. And my heart 
kind of says yes to you in this moment now and stands with you in this moment for some where it's so big you can't comprehend. It's not a distraction. It feels destructive. I'm with you in this. I'm not talking about big moments like that. But for most of us, it's just a distraction. Let me give you some distractions that we have in this day and age. For some of you, it's noise. You're overwhelmed. When I said listen to one sound, you heard about a million. You're overwhelmed by the noise of life. Let me tell you, friends, it's a distraction. It's just a distraction. It's not evil. It's just a distraction. And what the devil will get you to do is to focus on the complexity of life rather than zone in on the voice of God. It's just a distraction. It's noise. I'm going to give you a few options today of distractions. How about opinion? Whoa. Opinion, what others think, that's a distraction. That's a dist- we, give, we give way too much time to somebody else's voice. It's a distraction. It's not evil. Perhaps the wrong voices can be, but it's the subtle little ones that don't feel like they are. God, I know you want me listening to, but I keep leaning into. God, I know you're wanting me to delete that number from my cell phone. Can I talk to young people, single people, dating people? But I keep kind of just letting them know, hey. Because I want them to tell me that I've got something to offer them. I'm waiting on their opinion. Let me tell you something. You're distracted. And distraction will derail your destiny. Delightful distraction. It seems so subtle, but it distracts us from simple habits that give us the God life. Linked to opinion is social media. Come on, you know this. Social media. And if you aren't on social media, I would argue that you're distracted by your negative view of social media toward those that are on social media. You're distracted. Tap your neighbor and say, I told you, you're distracted too. We're all distracted. The mind-numbing need to know nature of the media world that we're feeding on. We're feeding on. We're distracted. We're distracted. How many of you guys, you've set the time limit on your iPhone? You just keep ignoring that thing. It comes up, it says, ignore today. For the moment, I don't even know what, I go for the big option. Just take it away so I can get back on social media. Some people just left the church. Pastors addicted to social media. I'm not sure if that's going to be helpful for us. I'll keep going. You'll find your addiction too. If it's not social media, it's just your smartphone. Some people are so excited they got a smartphone, they just keep looking at it. I can't believe I got a smartphone. Can't believe I can't believe I got a smartphone. This thing even gets my emails. You won't believe it. It even gets my emails. It's fantastic. Smartphone. You're distracted. You're distracted. Someone said we touch our phone four thousand times a day. You're distracted. Some of you are distracted by your kids. Whoa. And their demand of you. Friends, you are distracted. We live in a world that has never been more distracted by the generation that we're raising. Now, I'm not saying that we aren't raising world changes. We are. My kids are literally going to change the world. I tell them every single day. But I'm not distracted to know that my primary relationship in the home is not them. It's her. She's the prize. They came into an already healthy family. If your kids are drawing attention away from the thing that matters most, say it with me, you're distracted. All right, I just lost half the room. You thought social media was a big deal. Helicopter parents. And the husband's going, just give me a hug. Just let me know I'm here, you know. 
preaching a little bit to you this morning. How about food? You're distracted by food. You're not really that hungry. You're just bored. Isn't that the truth? I do a good pancake, I won't lie. I make them every single Saturday. They're awesome, probably the best in the world, if I'm really honest. It's the only food I can cook. And, uh, and so I just keep going. If you'll eat, I'll, I'll, I'll make pancakes. And it gets to a point every now and again where we look at our girls and we're like, I think you should, you probably had enough by now. And they're like, but it's just so, what's the word? Good. You're distracted by food. You're distracted by, you're not, you're actually just bored. Get up, you've had three pancakes. Go for a run or do something special. (laughs) Friends, we're laughing. We're distracted. And the distractions are subtle. And it's this tension in us that we're not talking about. We're not telling everyone. I'm telling you different scenarios. And each one of you is just listening and going, yeah, yeah, whatever. And then I speak to the one that speaks to you and you just, uh, uh, um. And then I keep going, because you're distracted too. We live in a world of great distraction. How about these ones? Others seemingly successful lives. Distraction. Amen. You know you want what they have. That's a distraction. How about money and its grip on your heart? It's a distraction. If all you think about is money, you got the wrong mindset. It's a distraction. The state of our country. All right, I'm going deep now. The state of our country. Distraction. I'm not saying certain things don't exist. I'm asking whether they have your attention. I'm telling you we live in a world that is deeply distracted and not very focused. Perceived fear, distraction. Do you know scientifically they've proven we're the only animals on the planet that freak out for perceived fear? I'm not going to go through the list of the other 500 billion that don't. I'm just going to let you know that you're unique. You're probably panicking for something that will never take place. I'm not saying it won't. I can't predict the future. But our fear is irrational and we're distracted by it. Fear is a poor driver to a fruitful life. And the last thing in the context of today, we're distracted by general unhealthy habits. We're distracted, and distraction will derail your destiny. Rich Wilkerson said it's so beautiful. He said, the devil is not looking to make you bad. He's looking to make you busy. We're so focused on, am I a good person, that we've busied our lives and lost the fruit of God in him. Forget about being a good person and start asking God what it looks like to be a focused person toward the things of God. The second thing about healthy habits is There's the subtle and delightful distraction. And then there's the revolutionary routine. I say revolutionary because it's just a small little decision, but it has revolutionary results. Revolutionary results. Write this down. Healthy routines generates revolutionary results. A healthy routine generates revolutionary results. Will McRaven, a Navy SEAL, wrote a book called Make Your Bed. Anyone read it? I encourage you, get it for yourselves, get it for your friends, get it for your children, it'll bless your life. But he said this, an ex-Navy SEAL, he said, if you want to change your life, and maybe even the world, start with making your bed. Revolutionary routine. Dill, I'm coming to church today, we're singing big songs like Waymaker, I feel God pulsating through my veins. This year, I'm going to, bah, I'm going to knock the lights out. Start with making your bed. Or... Packing your kids' lunches or 
flossing. Revolutionary routine. Let me talk to you about your brain for just a second. Proverbs 22, 6 says it like this. Train a child up in the way that they should go, and even when they're old, they'll not depart from it. It's where we get the statement, old habits die hard. It can be a good thing if it's your children that you've trained in a certain way. Train your children. Give them the ways. That word way is worn path. So it's train your child up in the worn paths of their lives so that when they're old, they will not depart from them. Friends, it's not just children in the context of young ages we're talking about. It's the gospel in the context of us. We're still young in the kingdom of heaven. Amen. You're all 21 today in the kingdom of heaven. But we're young and there is a training that needs to happen in us to help us in the seasons God has for us. But we're distracted. We need some revolutionary routine. There's a little part of your brain called the basal ganglia. I know you don't care about the name, but what it's doing is is it's driving the movements that give you life. When I pick up this microphone, it's doing two things. This little part of my brain is telling me what to initiate and it's telling me what to inhibit. That's what its job is, all right? So when I get taught to hold a microphone, that little part of my brain is teaching me Here's what you should do. Pick it up slowly, hold. Here's what you shouldn't, shouldn't do. It's literally training me. Imagine I'm just talking to you. I just, it's like, sorry guys, that part of me just hasn't figured out that it's healthier when the microphone's in front of me. Calm. I could give you a worse analogy, but it's not going to help us today. I'm just telling you, there's this part of your brain, and it's all the time, it's processing, processing, processing. What should I do? What shouldn't I do? What should I do? What shouldn't I do? And once it's trained, it subconsciously just should and shouldn't does. I don't have to think about this anymore. It just arrives. There are certain things in your life that you're not thinking about, and they're just arriving. Think about what you're thinking about. Your brain is powerful. I don't need to tell you that there's enough reason to understand. You can train your brain. And when it comes to the kingdom of heaven, I think God needs to get into the inside of this beautiful thing He's given us called our brain, where we start to initiate helpful movements and inhibit the unhelpful ones. We initiate the movements that are unhelpful and we inhibit the others. And these things become habits. You see, small is the new big. Like a kid that's learning to write with a pencil. The first time they pick it up, it's a disaster, isn't it? In the old school days, you'd have to sharpen that pencil some 400 times. Now, you just wind up the monomy, and it gives you a second option, snaps that one, wind it up, snaps that one, wind it up, because they're struggling. But they're teaching themselves what are helpful and unhelpful techniques when holding a pencil. Listen, there's the same thing that you're trying to teach yourself. What are unhelpful and helpful techniques when I wake up in the morning? I know if you're anything like me, I started this make your bed thing. You don't have to. You can do whatever you want. But I started making my bed, and it's got to the point now where it's called a keystone habit. They call it a keystone habit. The keystone is the cornerstone. In other words, everything else flourishes off it. So you won't have to generate 100 new habits in your lives. Newsflash, don't do that. It won't work out. You probably just need one or two keystone habits, and they will trigger in your life helpful other habits, all right? Like going to church would be a good keystone habit because then you're going to be able to sit in the presence of God, understand the voice of God, and leverage it for the course of your life. It's a good keystone habit. You don't have to fix everything. Just start here. It's a keystone. Mine, one of mine is making my bed. And if I don't make my bed in the morning, literally by 12 o'clock, I'm an unhelpful contribution to my team at church. 
Because something in my mind knows that when my day is ordered or when my morning is ordered, it's a keystone. It triggers it. This is helpful. This is helpful. This is helpful. Therefore, my day is ordered. I can be positive. I can add value. I can make a strong decision because I started well. You see, distractions are so small, but routine is equally small. And yet a good routine can help you generate revolutionary results. Revolutionary results. Stephen Covey was right when he said this. We become what we repeatedly think, do. We train ourselves by daily habits and reframe our thinking into something fresh. By what we daily do, daily do, daily do. I want to build the biggest business. I want our family to be sitting around the table every single Friday for four hours dreaming about everything. I want to, I want to, I want to be so close to God. I want to, I want to, I want to, I want to, I want to. What you want most starts with what you do now. And it's probably just a small little daily habit. Maybe you just need to wake up 20 minutes earlier, make your wife a cup of coffee. Maybe you need to wake up 20 minutes earlier and sit on a chair somewhere before anyone else in your house is open, awake, and open your Bible and ask God what he has to say to you. Maybe it's just a small habit. Maybe you don't need to sign up for the gym. Maybe if you just wake up early, you'll end up wanting to go to the gym. Keystones always produce exponential results, and if we don't have them, we fail downwardly. The last thing I want to speak about is the secret source. There's got to be good news in the church, secret source. And I, and I, want, to, I want to say this, let the Holy Spirit be your secret source. You are distracted, like me. We need routine together. But what's going to give us the routine, the secret source? The Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the secret source. Let's go back to where we started today with Paul going, I want to do this, but I just do that, but I can't do this. And Paul says, the answer, thank God, is that Jesus Christ can and does act accordingly to set things right in my life. He's wanting to play. He's wanting to plug in. He's wanting to give us habits that produce a successful life, a godly life, a, a wealthy, a prosperous life. I believe God wants our lives to be prosperous. And I'm not just talking about a big bank account. I'm talking about overflowing joy. I'm talking about healthy families. I'm talking about extreme rest. I'm talking about lots of money, yes. But I'm talking about prosperity in its entirety. God wants this for us. And Paul knew that, and Paul was going after it, but he kept getting distracted. Then he said, but I know there's something that will align me with that thing again, and it's Jesus Christ. Well, let me tell you how Jesus works with us by the power of his Holy Spirit. And so the secret source to revolutionary routine that avoids unnecessary distraction is to let the Holy Spirit speak to you and then to do what he said. Now, I've been in church for a little while, and sometimes this language of Holy Spirit can be a bit out there if you're new and you're going, I'm not sure even sure what that is. I don't even, I'm not fully aware of how that even works. I'm still trying to figure it out for myself. I'm going to give you a moment just now where we just go quiet and you just ask God, speak to me. Just give me one thing you want me to focus on this year, one thing. And he's perhaps given you a word and today he's going to give you an action for that word. What is the one thing? And you'll be surprised, even if you're not sure of how the Holy Spirit works, you'll be surprised how intimate he wants to be with you as he helps you build revolutionary routines for your life. Here's what I know we do. We get excited about habits. We all agree. You all agree with me. This is not new news for you. You know this is how your life works. And so you go home and you Google top 10 habits of 2020. 
and you look for the one that's closest to the word that you chose, or you Google top 10 business habits, or top 10 family habits, or, or perhaps you, you kind of sussed it out, and you, you've read a book somewhere along the line, and it says, what the successful people do well. You're already distracted. Forget about the habits. And then we take that habit. I'm not saying they're bad habits, but they may not be what the Holy Spirit wants you to do. I'm comfortable to know that God will speak to His church enough for us all to end up in the same direction. I don't need to tell you what you need to do. God needs to speak to you for yourself. And I think sometimes when God stirs something in me, I'll give an example. Someone came up to me before the service. They said, I just feel I should do this. I said, well, if you feel it and it's in God, then do it. Because the Spirit is the secret source. It has revolutionary results. I just feel I should do that. Great. Run off a friend. What do you, do you think this is God? It seems good to me. It seems encouraging. Do that. What's the Holy Spirit saying to you? And here's the prayer I have today as we close. That He would speak to you, not about your future. We've already dreamt that. Not about the word, not about the thinking patterns. We've, we've taken that journey together. But that He would speak to you for a simple keystone habit that will revolutionize your life this year. And when He says it, it might even sound odd. Write it down and begin to do it. Someone said, obedience is our job. The outcome is His. It's amazing. Paul says in that scripture, I want this, but I do that. But thank God in Jesus, He gives me the strength. And I was thinking about how when we want things in our own strength, the results are always temporary. That's why we fail. But when we get things in His Spirit, and it doesn't matter what someone else has heard, I've, God is calling me to this. And of course it lines up with this word. That would be the obvious filter. But it's, it's true for me. I remember someone saying to me, Dill, you need to do a quiet time every day before your day starts. Read the Bible every day before your day starts. Every day, man, I did it. I did it. I worked at it. And it was good. It was helpful. And then I got tired and I got fatigued and I stopped doing it. And then I started to feel like because I can't do it, I don't have anything going for me. And I realized that I was actually being judged by somebody else's view of what was important for my life. And I started asking God, God, when do you want me to encounter you in your word? And he started to speak to me about being in my car. And so every time I was in my car, I would listen to his word and it would speak into my heart. It was the Holy Spirit's voice giving me a new routine. Maybe you need some new routine. There's an encounter Jesus has with a guy by the name of Nicodemus. Let's call him Nico for the sake of time. Nico was a very successful man. He'd been doing great things. He lived in Belito. He'd arrived. But he was caught up in knowing that there was something bigger for his life just like you and I. And it says to us that Nico came to Jesus at night because he didn't want anyone to see that he was actually longing for more during the day because in the people's eyes, he had it all together, but he knew in his own heart there was something lacking. And so he goes to Jesus at night and he makes a few like bold statements over Jesus. Jesus reads him like a book and says, Nico, let me tell you something. Flesh gives birth to flesh. Spirit gives birth to spirits. 
You cannot enter the kingdom of heaven unless you be born again. That's how he talks to Nicodemus. Nicodemus is like, what? What do you mean being born again? He says, you see, flesh gives birth to flesh. Spirit gives birth to spirit. He's speaking to Nicodemus. He's saying, Nicodemus, you've got almost everything you thought you wanted, but there's something you deeply lack, and that is the bigness of God in your heart. That's the expression of the kingdom in your life. That's whether business is up or business is down, you are blessed under heaven. That's whether your family is perfect or your family is in pain you are secure under the grace of God. That's whether you made it to church twice this month or once this month or four times this month because you're trying to figure out what it means just to get up in the morning because you're depressed. Under heaven's promise, friends, it's still okay. The bigness of God, the kingdom of heaven, he says, you can't have that by human effort, Nicodemus. You've got to be born again. He says, spirit gives birth to spirit. And I wondered, I just wondered, I wondered if the bigness that we desire can I get honest with you guys for just a second? I genuinely believe God is going to use this church to change the culture of this nation. You don't have to. It's okay. I'm convicted by it. And so I wake up every day with a habit of declaring life over this nation. You don't have to either. You ask God what He wants for you. But I want to tell you, watch. It's the Spirit doesn't make sense. You look around, it's crazy. I feel like that too sometimes. But the Spirit told me, you guys will shape the culture of this nation. Spirit of God has been stirring in me something around Vision Sunday next week. Please don't miss it. Bring a friend. Let's get them all on board. But He's speaking to me about an outcome that I can't plan. But I know it's Him, therefore I build habits around what He's saying to me. Stand with me this morning.